I'm Jessica, and this is Homecoming, finding yourself in life's little moments. So, dear listener, today I am going to read from my memoir. And my memoir is called In Duet with God, the story of a lifelong friendship. And the story was inspired by a woman who came into my life when I was eight. And the chances of us actually meeting would be so remote when I really think of it that it's evidence to me that there is some higher power, some grace-filled energy, something by whatever name you might call it, is moving through us and through our lives in ways that end up manifesting in nothing less than miracles. So the fact that this woman came into my life when I was eight, a little girl living in the suburbs of New York City I was, and she, a diminutive young woman at that time from the hinterland of Ecuador, the chances of that actually occurring would be incalculably small, I would say. So over the years, it became apparent to me that this person who entered my life at that time was actually much more than the nanny that she was hired by my mom to be. And she was so much more than that, that her presence in my life has actually saved me. So when I began to write this book, it was in the process of it dawning upon me that this was an extraordinary person and that I couldn't actually keep the reality of her existence and her life and her whole relationship to living things. I couldn't keep it to myself and her relationship to me. I couldn't keep it to myself. It took me four years to write it. And as you'll hear in the introduction, which I'll now read to you, it took me much, much longer to realize that I had to write it. So recently, and I just want to say that I was walking on the beach here in Sydney, Australia, which is a very beautiful place near where I live, and something told me to go to a particular spot, swimming spot, and when I got there, I saw that there was a family just enjoying the waters. It turned out to be that only I... And they were there in this place, at this spot at this time. And then I went to another place. I went swimming in that one place, and then I left, and then I ended up going to another place. And they ended up being there, too. They had made the same decision themselves. They ended up being in another swimming place. So I took note of them, and the two young girls that were clearly the daughters and then the parents. They didn't look Australian to me, um, but I wasn't sure. So it turned out that they were Spanish-speaking because I think I might have said something to the daughters. They were building this beautiful sandcastle, 
And I said, oh, how wonderful. And the mother said to the little girl in Spanish, you know, say thank you to that nice lady <laughs> who was saying something about their sandcastles. So then I realized that they were Spanish-speaking. And because of Flora, because of this woman who came to me when I was eight, I can speak some Spanish. And frankly, now that I'm living in this far-flung place, so many miles away from her. I love to speak Spanish. It reminds me of her. It reminds me of communicating in a different way. Each language has its own personality, and Spanish is very beautiful. So I struck up a conversation with this Argentinian family, as it turns out. They were from Argentina. And I told them about my madrina, my godmother, and that's what Flora now is for me, because I believe, really, that God brought her into my life. So I told this little family there on the beach, here in Sydney, Australia, about my madrina, my beautiful Flora. And just the other day, I got a picture from them. They had been on a, a really special holiday. They had taken a month to come here and saved all their money, and they had come here to be on holiday, and there I had happened to meet them, and we were speaking. And they sent a photo, I received this photo, of them holding my memoir in Duet with God, which was published a few years ago, and they said they wanted to know the story of Flora. They wanted to know more about this woman that I had shared some recollections of with with them. They wanted to know more about this special person. So all of that which just recently happened compelled me to read some of this story, to read a couple of chapters to you, dear listener, of this memoir, this story of this lifelong friendship with this extraordinary woman named Flora. And this is the introduction, and it's called To Begin. It took me 45 years to realize that I'd been raised by a saint. But as I look back, I can see that there were signs along the way. She came to care for me when I was eight. And when I was a young girl, her words of comfort soothed me. One afternoon, she shared her own painful childhood to console me and let me know I wasn't alone. I still have a music box she gave me that plays Fly Me to the Moon and a note she sent when I was away at summer camp telling me that she missed my laugh. I can remember the meal she made for me, especially my favorite dessert, and that was called in Spanish Espuma del Mar or Foam of the Sea. I have a card from her that reads, For you, my heart with my greatest wish for your eternal happiness. These are some of the sweet lights that shone in the darkness of my childhood, but I didn't realize how important she was. I missed the sweetness, for the darkness was very strong. However, over time, the light began to win, and it shines now, for my saint is with me, 
and I see her sweet lightness and have become hungry for it, I seek it and delight in it. And you know, that's what a saint does. The light shines through her and around her. It touches you, though she may have no other intention than to simply be herself. Now, the thing about growing up with a saint is that you never, ever feel like a sinner. All you feel is free and loved, and you're drawn to the sweetness like a moth is drawn to light, even though you don't really understand what's happening. But then one day, you come to value the light. You realize the darkness is receding, and you're able to choose between the two. What does the light look like? What does sweetness feel like? How does a saint act? Well, I'll tell you. We were walking in the city once, my saint and I. This was in New York. And she stopped suddenly and called to the pigeons in the street, because there are many pigeons there in New York City. And she called to them and she said, watch out. Be careful, sweeties, don't you see? The taxis are coming. Then she turned to me. But Jessie, what if the taxis hit them? She was worried that the pigeons were unaware of the taxi cabs and were risking their lives. I had to stop. I'd never thought about the pigeons. One morning after a long dry spell, she said as we walked along the street in Manhattan, look, these trees along the sidewalk, they're not getting any rain. No one's watering them. They're prisoners. Look, Jessie, that one is wilting. If it doesn't rain, it might die. They're prisoners. It was true. When I looked, I noticed Each tree was confined to its small square of dirt surrounded by the concrete. She had the same concern for people. After my visit to her one weekend, she insisted on going with me to the train to see me off, even though I didn't want her to go. I became increasingly worried about her traveling around the city by herself, especially if she didn't have to. But there she was, she went with me to Grand Central Station, which if you know is a grand place. And there are many tunnels and places where you go to catch the trains. And she walked with me down one of those tunnels to the train I needed to get on to go back to my home then. And she stood at the door as I got on calling, I love you, Jessie. God bless you each and every day. Her hand made a cross in front of her body. She'd never done that before to me. As the train door shut, I tried to make my words carry over the din of the engine. I had to tell her how much I loved her. As I was trying to do that, the doors closed, and I went inside. I sat down next to a man, and then he turned to me and he said, She blessed you. Yes, I said. It was hard for me to speak. 
You don't see that every day, he added. I know, I thought. So now through my grown wisdom, I've begun to see my saint for who she is and my heart is breaking open. Late one night, I found myself sobbing in my bed, realizing this is my true mother. I began to understand all that she's given me, everything I described to you here, things so light and sweet that my words fall short. My memoir, my book, was born from that friendship. So that, dear listeners, is the beginning of my story, my book, In Duet with God. And I think that might give you a sense of what compelled me to spend the better part of four years writing to try and convey through words what I was feeling in the presence of this extraordinary person. And I wonder if you've had an experience like that, if there's been someone in your life that has touched you in that kind of way where you never, ever forget and where you know your life has been irrevocably changed because of it. In a sense changed, I would say, but in another sense it's allowed me to be the person that I think I came into the world to be. The person maybe that I always was from those very, very early years, those years when she entered my life, those years before I knew what would lie ahead and all the twists and turns that would happen. So as part of my homecoming podcast over these next few months and weeks, months, years, I'll share more of the story of Flora. So I wish you the best as always. Take good care of yourself and as Flora would say, may God bless you each and every day.